This is Soul to Soul, the show with Nessie. Sup Soul fam, it's Nessie here, back with another episode of Soul to Soul, the show where I'm talking about my life in Korea from the perspective of a black British woman. How all are you doing? It's a, it's a lovely, well, that's a lie. It's a lovely British-esque day today <laughs> of clouds. <Yes. laughs> it just reminds me of home. But ladies and gentlemen, you hear there is another voice in this vicinity. That means I have another special guest for you. Because and it's I, a meal. <laughs> I care for you, Soul Fam, so much that I want to bring you the best content ever. So, my special guest, please introduce yourself. Ah, <laughs> I go by the name of Sam Ochre. I am based in Korea. I am a Ghanaian and I love Vanessa. And I'm here to spend time with her and talk on different things. Oh, yeah, you know what I have to say? Yeah, that introduction kind of reminded me of a uh, uh, chicken connoisseur. <laughs> because all black British people are the same. No, not that. You know what? Yeah, I think he's pretty posh in what he does, mm-hmm. and that's what really attracts me to um, what he's doing. Mm-hmm. He just introduces like great chicken spots, and mm-hmm. you know he eats the chicken. He says the chicken is good, it's not good, but it's just the finesse mm-hmm. with which he just says the whole thing. Because people from the UK, you have to understand this. People from the UK, we love our chicken and chip shops. Of course, of course, we love our chicken and chip shops. So then if you go to a good, once you find that spot, once you find that place that has got glorious chicken, right. you have to spread the word about it. You oh, yeah, okay, 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 okay. You, you have to get the junior special, yeah. pounds. I'm telling you, <laughs> the two-two chicken. <laughs> the, 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 the four-wings the four box with the, with the marinda, you have to get everything. That, 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 ladies and gentlemen, that is how I got fat in uh, secondary school, by stopping over and barking. Having going to favorites, embarking, and then getting the four-piece uh, wings with chips meal, one pound. That's the reason. Because when you're 15 years old, all you have is one pound. Of you, course, if yeah. You, if you can get four wings and chips for one pound, then of course, like. You know what disappointed but, me though when I went to London? Oh uh, what? My friends never took me to a chicken and chips place. No, no, you. I I had to find. A very bad fish and chips place no. in central London, no, and no, I was no. like, "Yo, this is not it. No, no, this is not it." See, this is the thing: don't go to central London for food. Right. Central London is for tourists. Yeah. Aha. The people don't live in central London. Exactly. Okay? You have to go to the east. You have to go to the west. Actually, the best fish and chip shops in uh, I would say one of my favorite fish and chip shops is one of the most famous. It's in Victoria Park, Hackney area. Very famous fish and chip shop. You can't really go there unless you have a car. Mm. Or if you take public transportation, you have to take a bus and then you have to walk some more. But it's right next to Victoria Park. Well, it has to be good if you have to go through all these means just to get it. so good. Really famous. Because also, Victoria Park's really famous. Right. That's where, um, what's that festival called? Not Wireless. The other one. Like Love in the City or something rubbish like that. It's (laughs) it's in Victoria Park, right? And it's a really nice, like, posh-looking fish and chip shop. But you go there, the cod is marvellous. I had the sea bass there with the pepper sauce. You know what? I wanted to ask. Mm. As a British person, right? Mm. As a British, what makes a good fish and chips? 
What makes you good fish? Yeah, because good when question. when you're looking at the meal, you're thinking fish and chips. Yeah, interesting mm. combo. Mm. What makes a good fish and chips? So I can't speak for British people. Uh, disclaimer. I can't, I, can't speak, I can't speak for all British people. But I will say what I love. I love it when the chips are soft on the inside but crispy on the outside. Huh. So it has to be that if it's too hard on the inside, then it's like it's not cooked. It's enough. not cooked enough. Okay. It's like you, you chew, you bite through it, and it's like and then you know, no, not cooked properly. But at the same time, you want that like golden crispiness. Mm-hmm. On the outside, some shops what they like to do they like to put the fish batter batter on the chips as well mm, for the extra crispiness. Extra, okay, mm-hmm. okay, okay. So the fish has to be fresh. Right. The batter has to be freshly made. Has to be done on the day. Mm. And then they have to keep an eye on it to make sure. Some people do even do the the, the double fry right. for the extra crispiness Ooh. as well. So they fry it once, take it out, leave it to rest, then cover it in batter again, and then fry it some more. And then you get the whole thing. What I love as well is the onion vinegar. Hmm. You have is that, that a onion. dip? Oh no, no. So onion, so it's like vinegar, right? Malt vinegar, but like you know, pickled onions. Yes. So the 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 the, the juice from that ah, okay, okay, becomes okay. A, uh, onion vinegar, and that's great on chips because it makes the salt pop out some more. Okay. So you get like onion esque chips with vinegar, salt, and I love it. You squeeze a little bit of lemon on top of that. Oh. Very delicious. And the thing is, it has for me. I love cod. Like some places, they like to skimp out on the fish right. a little bit but I love cod mm-hmm. my brother if you asked him he doesn't like fish he likes sausage and batter mm. so that's like a proper British sausage about maybe uh, 30 centimetres long same batter for fish uh, deep fry that and have that with chips you know what I'm so excited like I'm listening to a lecture on fish <laughs> and chips because the fish and chips I had was rather bland Mm-mm-mm. and I remember just eating through it and thinking this is not it Nah, this is not it. I'm sure I should eat some fish and chips or chicken and chips by somebody's auntie. But yeah, but see, that, this is the thing. So they, they're going to be preparing food for you for tourists. Mm-hmm. And tourists ah, don't know yeah, any yeah, better. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Rookie mistake. Mm-mm-mm. Actually, the best fish and chips to get, coastal fish and chips. Mm, of course, mm. of So course. you need to go to like Southend or Brighton, um, anything by the sea. Right. Because that that's when people know they go fish and chips, they get in the newspaper, mm-hmm. they go out, they sit on the pier, they get attacked by seagulls. You, and then you know what? I have to be honest. I think a trap that a lot of tourists like myself get caught up mm. in is thinking that it's always happening from Monday through to Sunday, mm. but that's not the case. No. It's usually from Friday night. Yeah, and I was there on the weekend, mm. right? So it's Monday. Mm. All my friends have gone to work. I'm by myself. Mm-mm-mm-mm. I do not have a lot of options. So I'm thinking, let me look for the closest. Um, no, 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 no. And here's the thing. Even where I lived in central London, I found a Korean restaurant. I'm like, I'm not going to disappoint myself. Mm. I don't want to be hurt. Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> I might as well just go to the fish and chip yeah, place. Don't do it because the, the Korean restaurant, there's one that was quite famous, especially at the time when like K-pop started getting bigger. Right. A lot more people started going to Korean restaurants mm-hmm. and stuff. So people were like, oh, yeah, come here. We have Kampungi. We have like... Uh, we have a chap chair, we have right. all of this. But then I remember they have like soju and soju for one bottle was like twelve pounds. For Whoa. one bottle. And those of you who are good at conversion, twelve pounds probably like about maybe fifteen thousand one for a bottle where in Korea you would get it for like one thousand five hundred. Right. right. That is very expensive. Mm. But again, like you said, as a tourist, people right. don't know People don't know exactly. So then you're you're paying for this or you you go to a Korean restaurant and you're paying for panchan. 
even though that's something that you know is as standard as free right. and it can get refilled exactly if you want refilling in london again you have to pay more right for for the banchan so it's just like disappointment you know disappointment all around i don't know if this is right i'm very critical when it comes to korean food that i eat outside of korea mm. because i know what the food should taste like mm, mm. and even though i know of course this is not korea might you know they might not have access to the same ingredients or whatever mm. i still hold it to a very high standard mm. so when i go to the restaurant i try it and it's not good i'm like ah no this is not it but let's be tr- let's be real though in london they will have the ingredients because it's such a multicultural right city. okay so okay. They, 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 there's no excuse no excuse right but the, the for, for them it's all about well we don't have to keep do it to a high standard because true. the people who are going to be eating it are not going to be true koreans right, right. The people who go to a caribbean restaurant are not going to be like people from the caribbean the people who are going to eat at this like Nigerian restaurant in the center of London, they're not going to be Nigerians. Ah. They're, they're going to go, the, the, the Nigerian population, the Ghanaian population, the South African population, they're going to go to the restaurants that are specifically of course, right, for those, right, the, right, the, yeah. those, those people. They're not going to be eating in central London. True, true. Central London people are like your Barry and Susan who's, who's, come down from the north and like oh we want to go and see the theater blah, I... blah, blah, blah. <laughs> and then they go it's like oh let's try look, what's this jollof rice yeah, this sounds right, very right, interesting right. and then it's like oh this is a little bit spicy isn't it it's literally just like rice water oh, with one chili <laughs> thank god i missed that yeah but uh, you know what for me i i still look at it as i have an opportunity to mm. redeem myself when i go back Mm-mm. and tell my friends please Take me to the end. Mm-hmm. Let me go to the restaurants that you go to. Mm. The ones I see you post on Instagram and post on Snap or whatever. I want to eat from those places. Mm-hmm. The chicken and chips, yeah. please. You have to go to the ones that are literally in residential areas. I want those ones. Mm. I, I have one by my house. I just go in there like, if I feel like some, some really dirty. You want the ones that the grease is at the bottom of the box. Once you, <laughs> once you see the grease at the bottom, then you know this is the good thing. Oh my gosh. Thing. I can't wait to check it out, though. I can't wait to check it out. You have to go. You have to go. But, mate, we could talk about chicken and chips I know. all the time because I love uh, that's, 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 that's my food. But I just want to ask because people ask me, like, why did I come to Korea? Mm-hmm. Why did I do it? My journey, like, how did it start? So, like, you, you kind of know how it was. Right. Like, I. I I, I came to Korea a couple of times. The first time I met you actually right. was I think maybe the second time I came to Korea mm-hmm. and I interviewed you for right. my then website. We had a conversation, we, we struck a friendship, we kept in touch in then. So it's been what, like six years now since yeah. I've known you? Right. Um, but then my reason for staying was because, you know, I just fell in love with the right. city more and more. And each time I went back, I just missed it more and more to the point where it's like, no, I just have to stay here and right. have to leave. I can't, I can't, I, I can't leave here, I have to, I have to live here. So for you personally, like, how long has it been since you've been here? And like, how did the journey start out for you? You know, the truth is that now that I've been here for over 11 years, goodness gracious, I'm telling you, I never thought I'll I'll be here this long. (laughs) Obviously, I like it enough to be here that long, you know, but the thing is, I'm at a very different stage in my life. Mm. So even though I might have received that question over and over again, Mm. the answer is different. Because mm. now I'm older, I think of things much different than course, I would have yeah. when I was like probably, you know, 10, 10 or, you know, 12 years ago when mm. I first got here. Um, when I look back, I personally didn't have any vested interest in Korea. Mm. I figured, you know, I was in high school. I would work hard so I can go to University of Ghana, Ghana's premier university. Mm. 
and that'll probably help me get into a good company and mm. you know settle down have a family or whatnot or a lot of my family or part of my family lived in Canada. Mm. So if I was ever going to travel out at any point, I thought maybe Canada if the stars aligned everything for me. Mm. So Korea was not really on my radar at all. You mm. know, I meet people here. They say, you know, I was love, I was in love with K-pop and whatnot. I did not really know anything. Mm. You know, I was really as ignorant as anybody now who would be like, Samsung is from Korea. Mm. You know, that was, that was the, the, the wave I was on until my dad started asking me if I had thought about the possibility of learning elsewhere. Mm. Now, interesting story. My grandfather, you know, he passed away a few uh, months ago. May mm. so rest in peace. Mm, rest in peace, sir. He would call me randomly at times and say, what do you think of Russia? <laughs> I'm telling you. <laughs> wow. Yes. Mm. Because my grandfather was convinced that I could get a scholarship to Russia to become a doctor. Because mm. that was a thing back in it. A lot of Ghanaians went to Russia to study medicine and whatnot. Mm-hmm. So he would call me random times and say, what do you think about going to Russia? And honestly, growing up in, an, in a Ghanaian household, mm. you do what your parents tell you. Mm-hmm. It is not like you have a say to say, nah, I don't want to go. Mm-hmm. And the truth is that how we grew up, any opportunity to go outside of Ghana was a good opportunity. Mm-hmm. It was an opportunity to change your life. You're going to live abroad. You're going to make a better living, right? So mm-hmm. I would always think about that. And one day my dad told me that there's an opportunity to go to Korea. You know, the Korean government has introduced a scholarship. Mm. Are you interested? And I honestly didn't care about it. Mm. I figured, look, there are a lot of students who are, if not as bright, probably way smarter than I am, way more intelligent. And the chances of me getting that scholarship will probably be very slim. And I didn't want to put all my eggs in one basket of course. to be highly disappointed if that didn't work out. But I remember my dad telling me vividly that, well... You're not going to be charged to apply for it. Mm. Something you can apply for, you know, write your statement or write an essay detailing why you want this opportunity and whatnot. And who knows, right? Mm. I almost passed up on that opportunity mm. because once again, I'm thinking, I don't really know Korea. And as much as, you know, granted, it's it's um, it's outside of Ghana and it might be a good opportunity. I still didn't really know anything about mm. it. So I was like, okay, let me sleep on it. And... Of course, I had to ask my most trusted person as my grandfather. Mm. I said, okay, Grandpa, I have this opportunity. Um, I don't know what to do. And he said, well, just give it a shot. Mm. Okay, in life, you always have to try. I said, okay. I gave it a shot. It was a very cumbersome process trying to get all the documents together. I didn't have a passport at that time because I didn't even think about it. Yeah, I didn't even thought about yeah, traveling, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. So I got the passport. I applied for it. And two or three months go by no calls mm-hmm. I'm like ah there we go again I called my dad I said I told you I told you but mm-hmm. hey I was uh, out of high school I was preparing to go into university and a few months later I got a call randomly mm-hmm. from the Korean embassy they're like are you Sam I said yes and they tell me well remember your platform scholarship you know a few years back you got it mm-hmm. and I remember thinking oh snap this is about to be real mm-hmm. I've never left my family to live by myself mm-hmm. But once again, you know, when you grow up in a place like Ghana, you know, you you just, I don't know, it's like in you, it's in your DNA to survive wherever you go. Mm. So I said, you know what? I don't know anything about this place, but I'm willing to learn. I'm willing to go on this journey. And so, yeah, I packed my bags, 2009, got on a plane for the first time and boop, straight to Korea. Mm, And here you are. Yes, 11 years later. (laughs) I think it's interesting when you say that it's something ingrained right. to be able to live, to to move out elsewhere, even though right. you've never done that right. before. Because 
I kind of felt the same mm. when I first moved. Like I was worried. Like you know, like I I lived by myself. Well, I say by myself. I moved out for university, right. but it's still only like about uh, a few miles away from my from my parents. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, like leaving in 2016, I was wondering, can I do this? Right, right. It's like I'm now literally halfway across the world. Can I live apart from my family? And I realized to myself, my parents did this. Exactly. They moved, right? They, they moved at a time when the only communication my pe- my mother had to her her parents was the village phone. Right. That's the only method of communication. That was like once a week, twice mm-hmm. a week, if they were lucky, or letter. So it's something like within our DNA. Right. We're able to move mm-hmm. and be successful and and cultivate ourselves in wherever we put our roots down right so i was like if my mom can do it right in the 1970s then i can do it in 2016 exactly. there's, there's no excuse for me not absolutely to be able to do absolutely it. she right. and she came from a country where like it's near the tropics she got off the plane that was the first time she ever saw snow right <laughs> and she was like what is this and she didn't have a coat or right. anything she had a suitcase that has no wheels or nothing that so she's holding oh, it right being cold but she worked for as a nurse for 41 years. Absolutely. And she had three children, and they're all successful in their own right. And she's like... And she was my biggest, like, cheerleader. Cheerle- right. Vanessa, you... Le- I left this, uh, my country to put uh, my foundation in the UK. That's my foundation. Mm-hmm. You need to do right. what you need to do. So if career is where you're going to put your foundation, mm-hmm. this is where... What all my hard work has led up to, exactly. so for you to go, right? It's your turn to go, right? Exactly. So, like, I remember thinking to myself, like, I don't know, can I do it? Can I do it? But she was like, You can do it, yeah. You know, even for me, there wasn't any point where I thought I couldn't do it mm. because I knew it was a huge opportunity. Mm. My dad has seven kids, right? Mm-hmm. Seven children. I'm, I'm, I'm the oldest boy, mm. and I have this opportunity. Everyone is looking to you. Mm. Because you've had this golden opportunity. You can't let people down. Mm. So from the onset, I get here. I'm like, there's no time to check with your feelings on Mm. how you feel about this place, Mm. whether you're going to settle in. Well, no. Mm. You have a job to do, which is work hard, not disappoint your parents and your family, not fail, and go on through with the program. Because I had a scholarship. Mm. People, you know, come here, do exchange programs and whatnot on their own accord. Mm. I got an opportunity so my thing is, you can't mess it up. Yeah, exactly. You cannot be a failure to your family. So I had that kind of mindset from the onset. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right, so this episode is a bit of a long one, Soul Fam. So I'm giving y'all a break, you know? Just have a cup of tea, have a biscuit, go to Lou, pause, whatever. But if this is your first time joining us on Season 2, don't forget to check the other episodes from Season 1 on whatever streaming service you're on now. Okay, it's time. Let's get back to the episode. So, like, whilst you were here, mm-hmm. I'm assuming that you had to learn, obviously, Korean from right, scratch. Because right, you, you had no idea exactly. about the, the, the country. And all that. So how was that for you, like, the whole process? Well, I still remember the first time I got into this place. Um, Korea University has sent a guy who was part of the... Um, foreign student program. He mm. would meet you at the airport and take you to the school. And they had sent us an email that he spoke English. Mm. But I'm sure if you've been here for a while, yeah, now you yeah. know what that means. Yeah. 
But I was very naive at that time. I thought, oh, okay, that's that's great. We don't speak any Korean as two of us. We don't speak any Korean, so uh, it's good that he speaks English. We can communicate. This guy came. He did not speak any English besides, hey, nice to meet you. <laughs> so I remember it was about an hour and 30 minutes drive from the airport to the school, mm. and we did not say anything to each other. Mm. We just sat on the bus. I remember just looking around and... Looking at the scenery. Yeah, looking at the scenery, people in the bus, on the bus, looking at how Korea was, mm. and thinking, man, I want to talk to this guy so badly, but he can't communicate. Mm. So that was, that was the first thing that really struck me, that, wow, if I really want to have a conversation with people, talk to people, I needed to get the language. Mm. And luckily for me, the program that I was on had a year of language school where you had to go to learn Korean for a year and then apply for university. So I think that was really a very important base for me. Mm. And as I told you, I hate to fail. Mm. It's very difficult. Mm. I, you know, honestly, people feel like, oh, now you can speak Korean. It was not like that in the beginning. It was mm. really, really difficult I did not understand anything that was going on. I was actually failing my classes, and I thought, man, I'm never going to get this. Mm. <laughs> you know, this is too difficult for me. But luckily, I had a guy from Kenya. He's a friend of mine, Stanley. He's gone back, but he was here a year before me. He was a mm. senior on the program, and he spoke perfect Korean. Mm. And I think that was one of the shockers that I had. I'm looking at this big, black, tall guy, African brother, who spoke Korean so well. And I used to be so jealous, like, bro, how do you do it? And he always used to tell me, you're going to get it. Mm. You're going to speak better Korean than me. I'm like, nah, man, you're joking, bro. I can't even pass simple ilki or reading mm -mm. or writing in, in my Korean school. But he told me, don't give up. Just keep learning hard. And above everything else, just plunge yourself into the Korean society. Make Korean friends. Don't be afraid to make mistakes. Mm. Because you're a foreigner, you're not expected to speak perfect Korean. Mm. So take advantage of those opportunities. Get closer to the teachers. Try and practice as much as you can. Mm. And honestly, that's what really, really helped me mm. when I first came here in Korea, like the first year. Mm -hmm. That really helped me a lot. Because, you know, you're in class with Chinese um, Chinese kids and mm. Japanese guys and, you know, people who are aware of Korea. They know the Korean uh, language. Mm. It's easier for them to study it. They're smart as hell. Mm. So you're thinking, how can I compete with these guys? Mm. So I basically had to ask them what they did. I said, you know, you have to watch more Korean dramas. You have to have Korean friends, try and chat with Korean friends. And that tip really, really was important in helping me learn the language. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was very, very important. I mean, Korean, I mean, I've been learning for, for seven years, eight years now. Yeah, but you learn by yourself, right? Mm -hmm. That's the difficulty. That's, that's, that's the difficulty. Mm -hmm. If you have a certain structure that helps you learn... And you have interaction, you know. Mm. They, they had a lot of different programs mm. for the language school. We had to go um, to the cinemas together. We had mm. to go to um, we had to go to cultural experiences together, cultural activities. That was great. And they had a Korean helper program, so each student was paired up with two university students who were Korean. Mm. So you get to spend time with them and do different activities with them mm. to help you beef up your Korean. So I think that structure really, really helps you get a grip of the language at an earlier stage mm. so you can build on as opposed to like people like yourself who have to study you know on, online or buy books and study by yourself mm -hmm. the process is totally it different is, it's, yeah it's totally different. so which is why like for what i tend to do like i, I have random conversations with right. my kids like i talk to all my students they're the, they're the best yeah. they're the best people to help you with korean <laughs> so much like, like I, I i would be 
cussing them out in, right. in Korean. <laughs> like, like, teacher, teacher, your Korean is getting so good. Now. Right, yeah. You insult, yeah, yeah. insult us so well. Like, exactly. Yes. Yeah, it's you like, get it better. Well, what yeah. are you doing? What are you doing? But they, they enjoy it so much. They enjoy And then I do feel like, because it's that element of fear. Right, exactly. When you're learning a language, especially when the older you get, the, the less mistakes you want, you want to, to make. make. Right. Because even for some reason, as we get older, we are more worried and concerned about what, what other people, what people think. think yes because at yes. the moment i'm teaching um elementary kids to middle school kids. So i'll teach elementary third grade to middle school third grade right the best speakers of english i have two groups the best speakers of english are either the third grade elementary students or the lowest level middle school students mm. the elementary kids have no fear exactly. they don't worry they don't care about right. what other people are thinking they've been speaking since they were kids so then if they make a mistake, then I correct them. It's like, okay, and right. they, they say again. The lower level middle school kids, they just keep talking. Mm-hmm. And maybe their sentence structure is like 20% correct. Right. But then I'll, I'll repeat back what they say. And then it's like, okay, then their confidence gets up and gets up. But as they get older, they tend to worry a lot more about what people think. think and right. then yes. They don't want to make a mistake. And the problem is the grammar that they have to study in school is such a high level right compared to their speaking ability mm-hmm. that they feel like they need to speak at that same, at that level. same level right and then i and at one point i just sat down with my kids like guys listen all right your speaking is like no your your reading is at your head mm-hmm. level your speaking has to be at your knee level right you need to visualize your language ability like that you're never going to be as good as your reading level if you think that is how, how right. you should be you should be right like i don't want that speak to me in basic sentences mm-hmm. because you have to get confident at the basics, at the basics first yes. before you can give right. me all the shebangs and mm-hmm. the different synonyms and all of that and a lot of the kids once they start getting that then it's like okay yeah all right yeah, now i can speak you to you like build this on that, right? and then they get better and better and better and then they don't realize it until I, i'm like Wow, you can speak to me. Yes, now. yes, yes. Look, look yeah, at this. Yeah. Look at what you're doing. Mm-hmm. Like I have one class who, um, they were absolutely silent for three months. Ooh. Said nothing. It was me, and I was doing like performance dance clown thing, and they were just like, look at me blinking. <laughs> Apart from one boy with his ten percent correct Korean, but just blinking. But he would be like trying his absolute best. Now I can't get those kids to shut up. Right. Like, <laughs> yeah, 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 Talking yeah. about all sorts of rubbishness. And it's, it's not the best English, but I love teaching that class right. so much. Like, what, about two weeks ago, I had to laugh because I came in and then one of the boys was like, teacher, you didn't ask us how we are today. I'm, mm. <laughs> I'm sorry, my lovely. How are you today? Not good, teacher. We've been saying this for six months. Right. <laughs> like our pattern. Like, how are you today? Not, Not good. Not good, right. But I forgot to ask him. So it's like, he didn't ask You didn't us. ask today. It's like, how are you today? Not good. Not good. Not good. <laughs> he just wanted that attention. But because I gave give him that attention mm-hmm. and I encourage him and all of that, then he starts to improve. Right. Then his language ability, he gets confidence. Exactly. His speaking ability gets better. So I, I do feel like having that constant payoff when learning right. the language does help you of course of course and you know a lot a difficult language right like korean and a lot of foreigners get trapped in that because 
most foreigners come here when they're older mm. and you're learning a new language. So we just fall in the trap of not wanting to make mistakes and not admitting we don't know something. Mm. So you find that I did it a lot too. Koreans will talk to you. Do you understand? You're like, nah, yeah. nah. That, I guess, I guess me yeah, nah, I guess me that. Uh. When you clearly and truly don't understand. Mm. But I realized that it's smarter to say, mm. so that they can break it down and teach you. Mm. Once you are able to get over that hump of admitting that you don't know something and not being afraid to ask to be taught, you learn more mm. and you better, you know, your, your, your speaking and your, your listening and everything. But I didn't, everything I used to say, nah. Mm. And sometimes they can clearly tell you don't understand. They will mm. go with the flow, but they know you don't understand. So mm. it's a tip that I want to give for those who are learning Korean, especially if you have Korean friends or you're here. When you don't understand something and they ask you, if you do say, no, I don't, can you please explain? Mm. Chon chon mm. And they would explain to you, you know. So you, you want to take advantage of some of these mm. things. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Exactly. And once you do that, it actually allows them, if they're interested in English, it allows them to tell you the struggles in learning English. They'll say, I have the same problem as well. I say, yes, 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 because I don't understand what the speaker is saying. But you've taught me that I can also say no. Mm. Please, uh, please uh, speak slowly, or can you please explain this to me? Mm. And you know, you have this sort of language exchange thing going on. But don't be afraid to ask if you don't know, and don't say nah, nah, nah. That could lead you in some serious trouble. Yeah, especially when you say yes to something, and then oops. Yeah. You say yes to something, and then it's like you, you're somewhere. It's like, what did I say? Yeah, yes what did to? I exactly? What did I say yes to? So it's always important to ask, no mm. matter how embarrassing you think it is. Ask because you're learning. And you want to take in information as a learner, right? So, yeah. Wise words from someone who, I wouldn't say mastered the Korean language, but knows enough oh. to be able to get through on a daily basis yeah. and just live life. Here. You know what? Yeah, I still feel like I, I have so much to learn mm. with Korean because I'm meeting foreigners who are better mm. at Korean. They know the history. And I'm looking at them like, you were a genius. Like, how do you know these things? So I look at them and they motivate me to even learn more, read about the history, because you have to understand what you're learning. Mm. It's not just, okay, I need to survive, right? When I first came, that was the point. I had to survive, so I did whatever I could to learn the language and just move around day-to-day -day activities and whatnot. But I'm at a point now where I want to master. Mm. And to be able to do that, I need to learn the basics. I need to learn the Chinese characters that some of the Korean words mm. were formed from and the history behind Hangul and mm. everything, you know, that gives you a better appreciation of the language. So you're not just speaking it because you found out how to crack the code, but you understand what you're learning. Mm. And I feel like that also helps you or puts you in a position to be able to help or teach others what you know. Mm. So that is what I'm aiming for now. Mm. Yeah. So to wrap this up, after now 11 years, mm -hmm. How do you feel like you've changed as a person? Mm. Like, how do you feel like you have grown as a young man to a man now, to an adult? Like, do, do you feel it, your career has changed you in some way? Absolutely. Career has changed me a lot because I came here when I was 19. Mm. I'm 31 now. Mm. And I did not go to university back home. So when I go back, I can't relate when my friends talk about university experiences. Mm. So a very important part of my adult life spent in Korea. Mm. You know, it shaped what I think, my view on the world. And I'm thankful because when I was in Ghana, I did not have the opportunity to meet so many different people. Mm. But in Korea, I do. 
I'm meeting people from places that I never imagined. And like I said, when you come here, you're young, you're only thinking about, okay, I need to go to school, I need to do this. But now you're living here, you're done with school, you're working, you're part of the society, you're contributing. So you, you start asking yourself important questions. As an adult who lives here, what can I do to contribute to society? What can I do to add my quota? What can I learn? How can I shape people who are going through a similar program or a similar process as I'm going through? How can I be a good role model or how can I lend a little bit of what I've lent to them? And these are the things that I start thinking about. You know, what can I do? So when I go back home, my thought process is really different from my friends. And my friends are thinking about, okay, I need to get married. I need to have kids. I need to raise a family. That is important as well. But I'm still a foreigner in this place. And I'm thinking maybe 20, 30 years I might not be here. So what is it that I can do to cement my legacy, to leave a mark? So that 20, 30 years when I come back to this place, I can talk about it and say, oh, man, it has changed so much. We helped to lay a certain foundation. And now it's grown and it's blossomed and people are benefiting from it and things are happening that we never ever imagined in our wildest dreams. So Korea has really taught me to dream. It has also taught me to learn how to overcome challenges that you're not always going to be comfortable. Sometimes you're going to be thrown in a, an environment or a situation where you're not familiar with, um, you know, people are coming for you or coming at you and you have different challenges coming uh, at you from all angles, but it gives you that tenacity. Mm. It builds your character to know that you're stronger than you think. You know, sometimes it helps you tap within and also it helps you to be vulnerable mm -hmm. that, yeah, sometimes things will get to you. You feel sad, you cry, but, you know, you shrug it off, you shake it off and then you move. Mm -hmm. You know, so that kind of uh, personal growth has been possible because I've been here. I've been in an environment where it wasn't easy from the onset, but you have to overcome so many obstacles and so many challenges to get to where you're going. So. Korea has really, really helped me transform from being a teenager mm. into a man that I am. There's still so much to learn, but I'm thankful for this for the journey thus far. Yeah. And that's awesome to hear. Well, that wraps it up for this episode. Mm -hmm. Of course, Sam will be continuing on with the conversation next week's episode. But Sam, yeah. for all my listeners out there, all my soul fam. Uh, is there a way that they can communicate with you online? Do you have a Facebook group that you that you they can follow you on, or is there? Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, my Facebook page is still open. It's Sam Autry. The Autry is O K Y E R E. Um, you can message me on there. My Instagram is still open, mm. so you can send me a message on Instagram. And I have my website coming out soon, mm. so people can send me, you know, direct emails, and mm -hmm. we can communicate. So you can just find me on all these platforms. Mm. Yeah. Awesome. And as always, fam, you can find me on Instagram and on Twitter, Soul Nessie. I'm on YouTube and on Facebook, Soul to Soul. Thank you so much for this great conversation about chicken. Ah, Korea thank you. Thank you. Life. I really enjoyed it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Don't forget to check out next week's episode with Sam. And as always, I will catch you on the flip side. Bye, Soul Fam. Slaters. And if you liked that episode of Soul to Soul, why not subscribe and follow this podcast on whatever streaming service you were using to listen. I'll see you in the next episode. Slaters.